You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour. I am your host, Trish McFarlane, and I am excited about today's episode. It has been a busy week, and one of the most fun things to do is talk with guests on HR Happy Hour about what's going on in the world of business and human resources, and today is no exception. Today's topic is actually one that I'm, I'm holding near and dear to my heart because it's on one that is really, really helpful for HR leaders, HR teams, and ultimately for business teams in general. It's making the most of benchmarking and best practices. And if you're someone like me when I was a practitioner, you don't always know where to find best practices and true benchmarking data. And so today we're going to dig in with a guest on um, all things benchmarking and how to get that information. And then once you have it, what to do with it. So it's a very practical show and hoping everyone is is going to enjoy that and, and really walk away with some actionable steps from it. But before we get started, before we bring the guest on who's waiting in the wings, I just want to give a few brief updates. Definitely keep locked on the HR Happy Hour podcast network. We have new shows coming out all the time from our other hosts, George LaRock and Ben Eubanks. They've got some new shows up in the last couple of days, so check that out. And we are also looking for um, show topics for, for the remainder of the year. So if you have any ideas, feel free to tweet me at HR Happy Hour or send me an email at trish at h3hr.com. And don't forget, we are also on Alexa. So if you're someone like me, I love my uh, Echo and use it all the time. You can add us to your flash briefing. You just search HR Happy Hour Skill on the Alexa app, and you can add us and hear that every single day. And last but not least, we are planning for the big HR Technology Conference this fall. Tickets are on sale and available at hrtechconference.com. And if you use code STEVE300, you will receive $300 off of your registration. So that's it for our updates. I don't want to keep our our guest waiting any longer. He's actually a friend of the show. We've had him on before, actually, with Steve. And bringing him back on for his expertise around specifically this topic of sort of benchmarking best practices and and how to make the most of, of data that you're getting in your organization. So I would love to welcome Harry Astley to the show. He is the Principal and Global Human Resource Practice Leader at the Hackett Group. Harry, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back, Trish. I appreciate it. Well, good. Well, thank you for making time for us. I know that we had such a good reaction to your last visit and um, uh, always more to share. I know that you've been um, busy on on new reports um, since your last appearance. And so one of the uh, reports we're going to dig in on is really around this topic. But before we do that, why don't you just uh, tell the listeners, remind them a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at the Hackett Group. Great. Well, uh, just a little bit of background on, on myself. Um, I was blessed to um, 
start working in HR right out of college. I learned uh, every aspect of HR by working uh, in industry. And then, then I was uh, blessed again by uh, um, uh, Ted Fernandez, who was our CEO, and came to us uh, about uh, several years ago to start uh, the Hacker Group and uh, helped start the company several years ago, as I, as I said. We acquired several firms um, and went public in about 11 months, so we rode that whole wave. And uh, since then, uh, have been helping large, uh, mid-sized, and small organizations really define uh, their HR strategy. What is it that, that, that these organizations want to do? What is it that they want to do when they grow up? So my, my emphasis has always been in working with companies uh, pretty much like a life coach to help them understand uh, what the gaps are to their service deliveries, uh, their current service delivery models, uh, how they want to change, and how to institute that change or implement that change in a way that's not disruptive but allows them to drive greater efficiency and effectiveness. One of the beauties that we have at the Hacker Group is this whole benchmarking tool. We're, we're known as the premier gold standard in benchmarking and helping companies in the HR payroll space. And it really allows us, Trish, to figure out what companies do really well and what they don't do so well. And in, in, that, in that vein, we have a whole category of, of intellectual property uh, of how companies really operate efficiently and effectively. Effectively. So to that end, again, I've been blessed in my in my career. I've been working in industry and in consulting, so I, I have the perspective. I have the great perspective of being able to see both sides of the equation. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Harry, because that's so important. I'm I'm very similar in that you know spent a, a large chunk of my career, uh, almost 20 years in HR myself, and then definitely it gives you a whole different perspective coming into the consulting side of it because you sort of know what those pain points are, or maybe can draw on times when you didn't have maybe some of the tools or data or resources available. So I think it'll be a a really interesting show where we get to hear about sort of what you you have now that can actually help HR leaders do their jobs even better. Excellent. So one of the things uh, I wanted to touch on, um, you obviously have a, a, you know, a number of reports available for, um, for business leaders out there um, as they're looking at, you know, just sort of assessing their, their situation in their organizations. But one is, is a recent report that you all worked on called the HR agenda for 2019. And, in that, as, as we've talked about already, you know, you sort of, you know, look at, at the benchmarking and, and best practices that organizations are, are working through. And I think that that's something that a lot of organizations are missing. So um, can you maybe talk a little bit about sort of the, the changing business requirements and this, this pace that organizations are going through and what, what ways HR leaders can actually make sure that they're staying, you know, current when it comes to what other organizations are doing and how that might benefit them to even know that information. Sure. One of the key characteristics that we see in world-class companies, Trish, is this characteristic called agility. Today's volatile markets really are certainly having an impact on how businesses drive their change, right? Whether it's a, it's a, uh, a, a an airplane that goes uh, a certain airplane that has uh, uh, tactical issues and, and, and goes down in certain parts of the of the world, whether it's a 
a, um, uh, a, a specific issue that a client has in, in how they're delivering their services. Organizations that are world-class have this great ability to be agile. And agility really comes from organizations that are able to pivot from, from the way they're current delivering uh, today's uh, services uh, when changes occur. In fact, our data shows, Trish, that over the last 10 years, we have data that proves that world-class companies are greater, have greater agility and that these HR organizations have kept their costs flat while non-world-class companies have actually increased their costs by 12%. So agility is very, very key. So now the question really becomes is how how can uh, you drive great great agility within an organization without necessarily increasing cost? And the answer is really utilizing this concept and approach that we call digital transformation. World-class companies have this great ability to drive digital transformation. And that's, and that's really being able to define your, your, delivery, uh, your, your delivery services, your processes, your organization structure, and greater use of technology that allows you to then quickly meet the changing business requirements while not causing major service disruptions and in turn increasing costs. In practical terms, digital transformation is the ability to use technology to change your processes, to change the way you deliver services, to change the way your organization is structured, and to drive greater analytics within the organization. One of the key components of of any HR organization, because for years, we did get lost as an HR function. We did get lost and were enamored with our ability to to to, uh, to be great HR people. At the end of the day, we're we're really uh, we, we should be great HR professionals, but focused in on what the organization needs to solve the human capital aspect of any business problem. And world class companies understand that. So what do they do? They they're Technology, especially in the world of HR and payroll, technology has never been greater. The use of technology has never been greater. The, when we talk about, when we speak about social, when we speak about analytics, when we speak about the the ability to drive transaction processing, let's not let's bring into the conversation robotics, RPA. We're utilizing that all the time. Uh, Chatbots. Uh, when we talk about when we speak about changing the experience. From, uh, on a branding perspective, all those things are, are world-class companies have a focus on, and they're utilizing the digital transformation platform to drive that change. You know, you said so many interesting things there. I was just like frantically scribbling notes. One of the things that I think is really helpful that you shared is what sort of a true definition of digital transformation is because, you know, I think a lot of times when you're working in human resources, you you hear that thrown around quite a bit with no real um, substance behind it or understanding of what in the world that could mean to your specific company. Um, so I love that definition around, you know, everything from the changing in the processes to the changing in delivery services and, and also bringing in the analytics piece. And when you, when you really think about said something that resonated with me because I started thinking about back when I was a practitioner. I think that years ago, it was sort of one of those things where in HR, we thought we knew 
what we needed to be focused on and what we wanted to be doing. And it wasn't always aligned with what the business needed in order to drive business success. So when you start putting in digital transformation as a layer of that, it really changes sometimes the focus of what's important for human resources professionals in terms of giving them something more measurable to provide, um, you know, to the company as a whole um, that we didn't have before. So with that in mind, you know, when you talk about sort of this journey with digital transformation that, that HR leaders are currently on, um, what role should benchmarking play as sort of people are, you know, creating and adapting their people strategies, right? So not only are they personally changing the way that they work um, and approach these things, but they're helping and hopefully leading their organizations in the way that they're they're approaching these things. How does benchmarking really fit into their ability to do that? Yeah. In my experience, uh, Trish, organizations that consistently prove that they are at the top of their game or defined as world-class are organizations that, that assess, optimize, and drive continuous improvement. That, it's that simple. So if you look at, at, at these organizations, when we dissect these uh, world-class companies every year, and we dissect them. We go back to those those kind of characteristics, those th- that approach. And you can say that these organizations have great top leadership. You can say that these organizations have truly believe in HR and payroll. But at the end of the day, they, the, the organization, the enterprise, believes in the function because the function has been very good at assessing, optimizing, and then driving continuous improvement. The assess step is very important. So it's akin to going to the doctor, right? My daughter's a nurse. And the first thing she'll tell you is you'll learn everything about a patient with one blood test. It's that simple. You can get on the scale. You can speak to the the patient. But until you do a blood test, i.e. assess who you are as as a function, you're not going to be able to understand what, what are the gaps that need to be changed. So when when we when I when I sit across the uh, the table from a CHRO an executive um, uh, at any organization, and their and their and their definition of of benchmarking is going out to Google and finding out X metric, that doesn't tell me that that this is, that tells me that this individual is not fully bought into the assess step. Assessing doesn't mean you have to do a full-blown benchmark. Assessing means you need to do a, a comparison, uh, almost like a lab comparison, whether that's a performance study, a quick pull, or a full benchmark that allows you to compare yourself over time. Because, yes, it's important to take the blood test and find out what's wrong, but it's important to continue doing that to, to find out how you're getting better. So, to me, it's critical, it's very, very critical that organizations are, are, have the ability, the wherewithal, and the desire to look at themselves in the mirror. That's number one. So first you must understand that in, in order to adjust anything in any enterprise, before you create a plan, you have to understand how that plan of action is addressing your gaps. So to me, benchmarking is critical, whether that, again, is in a specific process area, in a specific function, or for the enterprise. It's important to drive con- uh, a consistent view. So, uh, so benchmarking one day on 
on how you're how you're doing uh, as it pertains to uh, candidate intake, and using utilizing that data and making some changes, and then the next day uh, or next year, uh, you're, you're benchmarking your benefit your benefit plans for these new new hire candidates. You're not creating a comparison that drives you to continuous improvement. You you have to draw draw uh, understand what that baseline looks like, create a plan of action. And then and then make the change and then come back to that baseline again. Very very important. You know you um, are so right when it comes to assessment. I I wonder much like your example was sort of the blood test, right? Sometimes as patients we go in and we don't want that blood test because you're a little afraid of what that might show. Do you find as you're working with organizations and HR leaders, for example, that are they sometimes scared of that assessment phase of that benchmarking in whatever form that takes? Because maybe they're either scared of what the results are going to say about the organization or, or maybe they're scared of, that they don't have the right knowledge or, or background or experience to deal with what, what the findings are. Does that ever come up for you? Yeah, yes. And yes. So the answer, the answer is yes to all the above. And it depends on, on, on the individual's personality, one of, one of the key factors is um, that I've, I've always said is tenure in the job. So, if you've been in in that CHR role or, or leadership role for a number of years, it's a little bit harder for you to come in and say, "Let me take a look at the mirror in the mirror now. Let me do that blood test now, and showcase uh, that we have a lot of issues or issues or any issues, uh, even though I've been at the helm for X number of years." That's a little bit more difficult for some for for some leaders. I tend to to uh, work with those leaders and leaders who've been there a shorter period of time. So uh, individuals who've been in, in their in their positions for a shorter period of time will have a greater propensity, Trish, to want to do the benchmark. For those leaders who've been there a little bit longer, my my perspective is, and I've been in their shoes. My my perspective is, it's never too late to change, and I'd rather drive the change that have the, the change be driven to me. So to me, I've always liked to, to say, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a perspective. It allows you to, do, to understand the gaps. And, now, and it also, once we understand the gaps, it allows us, quite frankly, to manage that change the way we want to manage that change. So it's never really too late to do benchmarking. But yes, I, I, I do get, um, uh, I, I do get some individuals who, who uh, perceive that doing it late in the, in the middle of their tenure or after they've been in a position for a period of time will hesitate a little bit. But again, it's never too late to change. I love that message. And it's funny, I don't, I don't think if you had asked me five minutes ago that I would have thought, I would have maybe thought that, you know, those more tenured CHROs or VPs of HR might have been more willing. But it does make sense now that you're sort of telling the story that they, they might be a little more reluctant to do that. So. When you're when you're working with you know these types of of leaders, whether you know when you get any of the leaders right to the point where they're doing the benchmarking with you in whatever format that takes, um, sure. what is it that they need to do to sort of bring that into their strategic vision for the business? Right, if they're now ready to make that change, what are some of the things that you're telling them to be thinking about as they work through that to make it well, really? Well, one of the beauties that we have as, as an organization is, as I've said uh, a little bit earlier, 
is as we, as we conduct benchmarks, we, we're gathering a lot of data. And in HR and payroll alone, we have over 1,200 benchmark and performance uh, uh, studies. So we have a, a great wealth of information. And, and that wealth of information includes best practices that we've seen in place at, at actual organizations, not a thought that Harry had or a thought that Trish had or mm-hmm. a thought that or Charlie had, but at the end of the day, a real activity or process uh, actionable that's in place at an organization that's driver, driving either or greater efficiency and or greater effectiveness. And we have those best practices categorized. So the next step, after you understand what what it is that that where you have certain gaps uh, and certain gaps in performance and certain gaps to expectations that the organization is that the enterprise is is wanting you to drive those once we understand what those gaps are the best practices uh, that we have are the natural next step and natural actionable step so the what we what we help our, our, our clients with is understanding what these best practices are, how do they drive changes in either process, organization, technology, information, all of the above, and, and be able to then implement that best practice as part of either a technology implementation, digital transformation, uh, change uh, management process that you have going on. So the very next step is going from understanding gap to understanding what the art of the possible is, and that art of the possible is here are all the best practices that world-class companies deploy. Not every world-class company deploys every best practice, so which ones do we feel is a a good fit for, for, for you? And then creating an initiative list, or what we call an action plan, to drive to those best practices the organization feels they can have the greatest impact on and can actually achieve. That's the key. You know what? I love that you called that the art of the possible because I feel like it takes maybe someone who is a little more nervous about going through this whole process and it really makes it such a positive focus. And it also brings in sort of both the readiness and the culture of that particular organization, right? It doesn't it's not like, I, I think sometimes people think of, oh, I, I don't worry about best practices because their industry is different than mine or they're, you know, they're, they have a different number of employees than I do or something like that, where really what you're saying is that it's it's about how are they taking that information and interpreting that into their world so so that it becomes what's possible and actionable for that particular organization, right? That's exactly right, Trish. That's exactly right. Because at the end of the day, you know, a best practice might be a fit in a certain organization. Uh, it might be a fit at, at several other organizations, but it might just not be a cultural fit for you. Uh, the, the, what we find is that the best practices um, are, 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 you know, can fit organizations of different cultures and different change of perspectives, but a lot has to do with uh, the, the organization's complexity. If an organization is a thousand employees and not too complex, you can institute several best practices in that organization. An organization might be three thousand employees and very complex. 
then the way you institute or implement those best practices will be much different than the first example, right? So it may take a longer time period to, to, to get to those best practices. So you have to have that roadmap going from understanding what the art of the possible is to defining initiatives and then creating a roadmap to, to get there. That roadmap is very key because it will drive the tempo and cadence of how you institute the change. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, really, I think that um, it's interesting. Companies, you just, you don't always think of it that way. And for me, that's just such an eye opener to have it sort of laid out in that way. I'm hoping that a lot of listeners kind of have it, maybe they're shaking their heads now. It's sort of resonating like, wow, okay, I hadn't really, you know, hadn't really thought of that approach. So um, that's really helpful in the way that you just described that to me. I don't think I've, Quite frankly, I don't think I've heard anyone describe it that way in my career. So, um, so thank you for that. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been doing on the show is is having um, some of our subject matter experts from ADP who are working on um, what they're calling ADP Advantage, um, which is a new program there in which they're they're really expanding the level of service that they're giving both to their customers and even prospective customers and, you know, people in the, in the HR space. I know that you've been doing work with uh, ADP on this new ADP advantage program as, as part of, you know, this rollout in offering some of these important, um, you know, avenues for their customers to explore. Could you maybe talk a little bit about your role in working with them and and some of the things that that we've talked about today, and how that fits into what you're working on with ADP Advantage. Sure, Trish. And first, let me just say I could not be prouder of being a uh, of having the partnership with ADP. It's a it's a partnership we've had for several years, and it's a phenomenal uh, partnership. That I would and I would say friendship that we have with the organization. So let me start there. I would say that that when when you acquire any of the uh, uh, ADP platforms, um, you you have you automatically have access uh, to the hack and best practice uh, uh, database of uh, as I said best practices, uh, metrics, uh, research, uh, advisors. Uh, you have access uh, uh, to that through a specific portal that we've uh, de- defined uh, for those uh, for those users. Specifically, the Advantage program. It is part and parcel of the Advantage program. Um, so for those clients, what you have access to is you have access to uh, all the things we've talked about today. So you have access to the ability to assess. You have access to performance studies. You have access to quick polls. You have access to the benchmarking tools that we have online. You have access to, to drive, um, to optimize. So when you look at optimization, I align that to access to our advisors. So you have access to our advisors. Our research uh, is very, very key. We put out one to two pieces of research on HR and payroll every month. You have access to all our webcasts. We have we have a webcast uh, that we, for instance, we just had a webcast around what are the critical skill sets of HR business partners, and how do those skill sets, how do those skill sets, uh, what are those skill sets today, and what do they need to be tomorrow? an incredible uh, insight as to what is the future of work for HR. And that's really the whole optimization piece. 
part of that optimization piece is you have access to all our process flows. We've, def we've defined level one through five through desktop procedure process flows with swim lanes, telling you exactly what part of the entity is responsible for what activity for all those, uh, for the, all, all the HR and payroll activities. You have access to all that information. You have access to other accelerators, um, such as, as I said uh, earlier, performance studies. Uh, we have a talent management maturity model uh, uh, um, survey that you can take. Uh, we, that, that falls under the whole optimization piece. And when you, when you speak about continuous improvement, our ability, uh, our, our impact is felt day one. So as an organization uh, becomes a, a client of ADPs, becomes a client of ours, uh, and we're, we're going through an assessment phase and they're, they're, they're learning how to optimize and what processes they want to change. The last piece is that whole continuous improvement piece. And that mm -hmm. continuous improvement piece comes in the way of, of, of having a launch meeting with, with us, understanding what are your critical business issues, what are you trying to solve for, and then us having periodic meetings with you to drive that change over time. So when I go back and I, and I speak to the whole the characteristics of world-class companies, you get that through the ADP program because we're driving the, the, the change aspect for you. We're helping drive that change aspect for you through an assess, optimize, and continuous improvement of, of facilitation. You know, I think that's what has been missing for so long, implementing technologies. You know, it's something that a lot of HR teams have tried to take on on their own, if at all. And mm -hmm. it, it not having that, not having both your, your expertise, um, in addition to sort of kind of all of the other components of the ADP Advantage program, you know, with... Um, with the historical data, with the focus on productivity, with the sort of customized system, um, and, and all of those other components, um, I think having this sort of layer that goes throughout that relationship uh, and your partnership with ADP customers, it's it's just really unique. And um, I just feel like that's something that is so different right now that I wish we had more of. So. I'm glad to hear that you're you're kind of doing that. It's not just something where people feel like, oh, you know, it's something I can't ever attain, right? It's it's having this this benchmarking and having the best practices, and but then also having that understanding from your own assessment, and then having that the continuous checking in and recalibration that goes along with that relationship over time is what's really going to help these these organizations achieve sort of that, that world-class status, right, that you were talking about um, earlier in the episode. Yes, well, we, when, we, when we looked at it, we said there's nothing like this in the marketplace, first of all, so let's make sure we, we address the, the, the market need to your point. And then second is we, 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 also, we also thought, well, when you, when, when you look at uh, in general, when you look in general, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, organizations uh, would go through a technology implementation, i.e. digital transformation, and think, well, I just implement this technology, and all of a sudden, you know, utopia sits on the other side. Right. So the that's not reality. The reality is any implementation is very difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. And it, there's a lot of change within that uh, implementation. 
So what we said is, let's make sure we change the whole playing field. Let's make sure we give access to our clients, i.e. the ADP Hackett clients, part of the best practice program. Let's give them access not only to our great data and, and, and depth of data and, and ability, to, as you say, Trish, to benchmark and to drive continuous improvement, but let's make sure that they understand we're here for the life of the contract that they signed with ADP and to make sure that we drive them on a continuous basis and we're here as their life coach to make them better over time. And that's the key. The key is technology is, is a component of the solution, but there's a lot that the organization themselves have, have to do in order to make it all work right over time. Well, it sounds like your partnership with ADP is certainly helping achieve that. I love the idea of, you know, all of this working together um, to really help HR leaders and their teams and their entire organization be more successful and actually, um, you know, have that not just be something they're sort of hoping or wishing for, but it's it makes it very real, right, in a very substantial way. Absolutely correct. Good. Well, Harry, we have like we could talk about this all day, right? We we've uh, we've come just about to the end of the time. I I want to thank you for coming on the show again. I love all of the really in depth um, suggestions that you have for you know HR leaders and and HR practitioners to think about. Um, where can people find out more about you? I know for ADP Advantage, we're going to put that in the show notes. Um, it's www.adp.com. Uh, slash advantage. Where can people connect with you, though, to learn more about the Hackett Group or find some of your reports? Well, they can, you can always go to the hackettgroup.com, right? www.hackettgroup.com. You can always, always email me if there's anything that you want, which is hosley at thehackettgroup.com. And feel free to reach out, feel free to, to uh, ping me and, uh, and connect. And I'll be more than happy to speak to any and all of you whenever you reach out. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks to all of our listeners, as always, for uh, for listening in and, and downloading. Um, remember that you can subscribe to the HR Happy Hour um, wherever you get your podcasts at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, or any other of the um, podcast providers. And um, be sure to check our show notes for all of the links, both to Harry and to ADP Advantage. So thanks again. And until next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.